Apparently, apparently, ladies and gentlemen, it's noon here in Ventnor City, New Jersey, and Washington, D.C., and this is news that you can use from Car Edge for Thursday, November 9th, with your host, me, Ray, wearing a short sleeve shirt probably for the last time for a number of months, and Zach, lounging in a lovely t-shirt today. How are you today, handsome? <clears throat> I am doing great. We're starting with the Anik data and then we're going to the hard data. Folks, here we go, car dealership guy. We talked about this just the other day, and now we have the hard numbers to back it up. He CDG saying, Stellantis is in deep doo-doo. Their cars yes. are not selling. Heard this from countless dealers over the past couple of weeks. Here's one of my DMs. What is Stellantis's plan for dealers being crushed by floor plan? I have several Stellantis stores, and even after the strike, we are turning down cars. It is too expensive to carry, and cars move way too slow. How are they going to make things easier for dealers to acquire and sell inventory? Another one. It has wait, come wait, to a complete wait. one. One second. They move too slow. I, I, I thought that I, I thought the whole thing behind that brand was like Hellcats and Red Eyes and the, yeah, but they just oh they don't sell. I'm sorry. Go on. It has come to a complete stop. I have some trucks discounted twenty percent with rebates, ten percent uh, MABC. What does that stand for? I, I'm I'm a thinking I'm I'm a thinking that's from the uh, that's from the manufacturer. And then the rest is coming from the dealer. And dealer discounts. Uh, let's see here. Yep. So that's one of the messages in here. Then we've got another one. Where was it? Where was it? Where was it? There was one more. Where was it? CDG. Where are you at? He had another one in here of another Stellantis dealer complaining about the same exact thing. Then, Dad, yes. you jump over to the brand new new vehicle inventory status update from Cox Automotive. And folks, we got records everywhere, and we're we're going to jump around here. First and foremost, we are Whoa, going to go. Look at that on-hand go, inventory. Wait a second, Pops, because first we're going to go to day's <laughs> supply of inventory by brand. Day's <laughs> supply of inventory. I will shut up in a second here so that my dad can give his perspective. But day's supply is how many days it would take to sell all available inventory based on the current sales rate of that inventory. Folks, give us a hard time all you want about the brands we pick on. Look at this chart. Look at this freaking chart. The industry average day supply, for those of you who are on the podcast after the fact, 60 days. What are the brands? What are the four <laughs> brands that have the highest day supply? Jeep, then Ram, then Chrysler, then Dodge. Jeep day supply at 123 days. 129 days, 135 days, and then Dodge at 186 days. I'm gonna I'm gonna be quiet. You can talk that. What is going on? Um, well, I'm I'm not sure what's going on, other than the fact that the manufacturer and the dealer would like for that day supply number to fall somewhere between say 60 and 75 days, maybe 90 days on a push, 186 days. More than double the maximum amount they'd really like to be? I don't think so. Um, you know, what it says, what it says to me is that that Stellantis and, and the ex higher-up executives at Stellantis made a decision that they were going to raise MSRPs more than anybody else, and they were going to concentrate their efforts on moving those brands more upscale. So they've produced more higher content, higher priced vehicles than they ever have. And unfortunately for them, they have priced themselves out of their customer's market. 
okay? Because the customers who typically buy Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, and Jeep tend to, percentage-wise, not be of the highest earners with the best credit scores traditionally. One of the reasons they were attracted to those brands is because they were more affordable brands. They're not anymore. And, and their dealers are sitting there choking on the inventory yep. that they have, trying to figure out how they're going to pay for it and still remain profitable, um, and, and begging the manufacturer to do something about it. And uh, apparently, uh, they haven't begged hard enough. <laughs> well, what, what has Stellantis done? What I read, Dad, is since the UAW strike has been resolved, they actually raised invoice prices to dealers. Like, that's their thank you, is they raised yeah. invoice prices on many models. I had a conversation with the CDJR dealership yesterday that wants to join the Car Edge network. The other day, I had another one. The other day, I had another. It's all CDJR dealers that want to join the car. Why? Because they are drowning in inventory, taking triple net deals left and right just to get rid of things that are costing them money, hoping, hoping, praying there's a trade-in or they can make some money on finance. Somewhere. We obviously yes. know. Smart, smart, educated customers get a pre-qualification from your credit union before you go to the dealership. Shop your trade-in at caredge.com slash sell. Be informed. Take it. I mean, I hate to say it to the dealers out there that are struggling, but like you, you a lot of y'all stuck it to customers. Customers, not saying you got to stick it to anyone, but stand up for yourselves here. These CDJR dealers are desperate. They cannot sell these things. And it is, I want to be very clear, entirely because Ram and, and Chrysler and Dodge and Jeep, they Stellantis overall, their average transaction price is $58,000. Look at this chart of average transaction prices, Dad. It is ludicrous. Absolutely and, ludicrous. And their customer base are not $58,000 purchasers. They're Chrysler, not. $50,000 average transaction price. Jeep, nearly a $55,000 average transaction price. Ram, average transaction price of $65,473. The $1,500 is a $67,000 pickup truck. Dodge, a $53,000 price point. Debt. These numbers, and, and we should say a lot of CDJR products get leased. A lot of these folks have not great credit, and then they get into lease deals so they can fit monthly payments. I don't see how the math maths in this world right now where, where I mean, I, I'm just, I'm in disbelief. Honestly, I'm in disbelief. We've been talking about it for so long, but like it is truly disastrous what is happening for these dealers. I don't understand, and, and for the customers as well, obviously, but like the dealers are choking on these things. What, what there's what, no relief in sight. The only the only hope dealers have is that they socked away all those excess profits they earned in the previous three years and, and put it aside uh, for as a rainy day fund. Because if they didn't think that reality was going to catch up with them over time, they were all sadly mistaken. Um, and and really, it boils down to the fact that their customer base typically can afford less and has slightly lower credit scores than other brands. 
and they have priced themselves out of what their customer base can afford. Um, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I see I see this guy Derek Jeter. I believe he was a pretty a pretty famous baseball player for the uh, New York Yankees. Pretty good shortstop in his day, and I see him in these Grand Wagoneer commercials. Grand Wagoneers, okay, hundred. vehicles. They sold like 6,000 of those in the last quarter. Why are they wasting their money with Derek Jeter to push a vehicle that their their customers can't afford? Okay. Um, why, Why aren't they taking that same money that they're paying him, which would be millions of dollars, by the way? Um, why aren't they taking that money and putting it towards customer incentives on pickup trucks or on Jeeps as opposed to advertising a vehicle nobody, nobody wants? Um Summed up right here. It's summed up right here. Greed. Greed. This market had been greedy for everyone involved, OEM and dealer, for the past two and a half, three years. It is flipping. It has, honestly, I would say for CDGR, it has flipped. Okay. It was flipping. Now it has flipped because we are truly seeing the anecdata is through the roof. The number of people that we talk to, you see it posted on social media, and then you look at the hard numbers. That is a flipped market. Folks, and it is because of greed. It was because if we keep, if I'm Stellantis and I made $18 billion in profit or whatever the hell the number was last year, why wouldn't I try and do the same strategy the next year? Well, eventually the, the, the doo-doo hits the fan, the, the crap hits the fan and customers stop buying these things. And that is exactly what's happening. And it is the right thing to happen. And the prices have to come down if they expect to be able to sell these vehicles to anyone. <laughs> now the dealer's screwed in it because they get forced allocation no matter mm. what. So I actually don't know really how. Okay, yeah, I'm all ears. Well, well, they get allocated cars. Okay, they can turn them down. Yeah, we and, read that message. That yeah, dealer said they, they, they can turn them down. down, and and when they turn them down, their factory rep will say to them, "Not that we keep score, but we keep score, and we and we realize that we tried to allocate these vehicles to you, and you didn't take them. And well, when times change and you need something, we might not be there to help you as quickly as we will help the other dealers that didn't turn anything down. But the dealers can and should, as a group, turn them down. Because if they turn them down as a group, then the dealers suddenly have a little power, a little leverage over their factory reps who always threaten them with, well, you don't take your, uh, you don't take your allocation. We're not going to be there to help you when you need our help. Well, you know what? They're not going to, it's not like Stellantis. I've said this a zillion times. It's not like Stellantis is going to stroke any of these dealers that lose money for the year. It's not like they're going to stroke them a check to make them whole for the money that they lost at the end of the year. They're not. So the sooner you as a dealer realize that they're not really there to help you, they're there to figure out a way to get rid of all the crap that they built. And the only way they can get rid of the crap that they built 
is to get you to buy it because you are their only customer. So as a customer and as a large group of customers, if you band together and as that large group, you say, nope, not taking anymore. I don't know where you're going to store them, but you ain't storing them on my lot. Then at that point, Stellantis will have to do something about it. But if there's not enough dealers that are willing to say that, then nothing's going to change. Yeah. And I don't see the customers lining up out the door waiting to sign up for a $67,000 Ram 1500 or that $75,000 souped up Grand Cherokee. So yeah, CDJR, we'll we'll move on because we've got all sorts of really great and interesting data. CDJR, I'm going to say right now, first domino to fall in the market reset. And I think right behind them are Ford and GM and probably Ford Chevy. And you know what's really staggering is the fact that their Stellantis' vehicle's day supply went up during a seven-week strike, okay? When they weren't producing nearly as many vehicles as they had been, their inventories increased. Imagine what would have happened if there had been no strike. Imagine how they would be choking today yeah. if there yeah. was no strike. Um, that, that to me, is, is that, that, that's the thing that should have frightened them long before this, that they should have seen it coming, and they never reacted to it. And yeah, you're they, absolutely right. Yeah. You're and, absolutely and, right. And now they are going to have to be, be reactive when they should have been proactive the whole time and they should have slowed down the production of, of the vehicles that their consumers could no longer afford to buy. Live experiment time, folks. Let's pull it up on the screen. We are in <laughs> Henderson, Nevada, looking at those 1500s. We're going to do two of them real quick. So the new 2024s are on dealer lots. There's still a significant number of those 2022s out there. And let's see, Dad. So you can see our algorithm Yes. We got to update because these dealer advertised yes. prices are are so freaking low right now. Just trying to get people to come in. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> what? Oh, stop it! Oh my god! Okay, yeah, but that's based on the fact that they, you know they just recently came out. All right, all right. So it's the new twenty twenty four. Let's try the twenty twenty three here. Here, here. Let's see this. Maybe yeah. maybe that's just because it's a twenty twenty four. It's got to be just. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Let's get a a real number here. Let's get a real number. There we go. I like real numbers. 191 days supply. Oh, it's about what uh, Cox said. They said 186 days. That was for Dodge. Dodge. Let's do do a quick Dodge Hornet check. That was supposed to be the uh, cheap vehicle that was going to get people excited about the brand. We got seven of them for sale within 25 miles of Henderson, Nevada. Let's see here. 198 days supply. Like these numbers don't work. We've done many videos talking about dealer floor plan costs. These numbers don't work if you're in the business of selling cars. Now, Dad, let's jump back over here. I rushed through it before. New vehicle inventory rose through October despite UAW strike. What what stands out to you here? I think I know what it is. What stands out to you? Yeah, the 2.4 million vehicles that are suddenly now either already in dealer 
inventory or in transit to the dealers this month. That is the highest number we have seen in probably three years. You ready? I got some historical data here for you. We'll just jump through it. This is going to be last month, Dad. This is September. Yes. We were at 2.21. So again, days. So we'll do we'll do inventory and then we'll do day supply. So current inventory, new car inventory, 2.4 million. Last month was 2.21 million. The month before that, August was 2.06 million. And if we go all the way back to August of last year, Dad, it was 1.23 million. Are you new saying car that inventory you have doubled? Doubled. doubled. Okay. And and sales are lagging a little bit, I believe. <laughs> Big time. Okay. Um, so that would indicate to you, me, and the lamppost that deals should be getting better at least through the end of the year. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. There's many yeah. vehicles sitting around. Let's see, has the average listing price changed much? So right now it's $47,215. Uh, a year ago, it was 46000 So the listing price is about the same. Yeah. But the amount of vehicles in inventory and how negotiable those vehicles are, $2.4 So let's jump down here. The listing price is up almost $1,000. Yeah, but inflation, yeah. man, inflation. No, I, I get that. <laughs> so look at the brands, Dad. Let me scroll down just a touch more. Brands with the least amount of uh, available inventory. Toyota, 33 days supply. Honda, 38 days supply. Kia, 43 days supply. Subaru, 47 days supply. Remember when Subaru had like an eight-day supply? Yes, yes. Wow. Cadillac, 48 days. BMW, 50 days. Lexus, 51 days. The national average for all automakers is 60 days, six zero. Land Rover, 62 days supply. Chevrolet, 66 days supply. Hyundai, 67. Mercedes-Benz, 69. GMC at 71. Volkswagen at 71. Acura, all the way up at 76. And then, you know, the numbers just start to go up significantly. Porsche at 81. Nissan at 89. Nissan, man, affordable vehicles with a 90-day supply. That's a great sign for someone that's interested in finding a sub-$35,000 new car. Yeah, here's a here's an even better sign. Mazda at 98 days supply. Mazda at 98 days supply, more than Ford. Okay, so no wonder we just got a Mazda dealer in the Car Edge network. No freaking wonder, man. Mm-hmm. No wonder. Absolutely no wonder. Inventory starting to build up at Mazda. You can get discounts below MSRP at Mazda. No, Audi no. 98 days supply. Genesis at 105 days supply, Buick at 107, Infinity at 118, Lincoln at 120, and then like we said earlier, Jeep, Ram, Chrysler, and Dodge, all well above 120 days supply. Do you think, my question to you, Ted, and then we can switch gears. My question to you, mm-hmm. do you think that we, so we can say CDJR was the first domino to fall. Do you think the other automakers on this list will fall as well? Fall being, have too many vehicles in inventory, and they'll have to add incentives and slash prices to get customers to buy. Do you think we're headed in that direction? Yeah, yes, you can see it. The 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 monthly vehicle availability numbers indicate that it's happening. You know, every month we read how sales were up. Okay, sales were up, and 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 I keep saying retail sales are flat, relatively flat, and what's really up are fleet sales are up. Um, 
so every month we read, you know, sales are up. The seasonally adjusted sales rate is now 15.7 million for the year. And yet inventory is growing at a somewhat alarming rate based on sales being up. Um, much more so than I think the manufacturers would have ever thought. You know, I've said for the past two years that the normal amount of inventory manufacturers want to see on hand will be somewhere between 2.1 and 2.4 million, million vehicles, new vehicles monthly. <laughs> We're 2.4. And I would not be shocked next month to find out that it's 2.5 or 2.6. Isn't and that they, I mean, isn't it pretty obvious they, that's where we're headed? And they didn't want to go there. They didn't want it to go that high. They don't really want it to be approaching 3 million vehicles. Because if you're approaching 3 million vehicles, you're approaching the numbers that they used to be at pre-pandemic, which was 3.4 million to 4 million vehicles um, available monthly. So as those numbers grow, and my suspicion is they will, as those numbers grow, it is going to take greater incentives from the manufacturers and from the dealers. You said it earlier. We've got dealers that are willing to take triple net. Well, triple net, folks, is when the dealer has taken every last penny of available monies from the manufacturer and applied it to the cost of the car, and basically they're selling it at what their absolute bottom line cost is. They are making nothing. Yet, they're ahead of the game because it's costing them too damn much to have it sit there. So even making nothing is better than paying for it to sit there. And that's where the new car business used to be three and a half, four years ago. I've said it. People don't believe me when I say it, but four years ago, the average front-end gross profit on every new car sold in this country, the average was somewhere between $200 and $300. Many new car departments were not profitable. They were the loss leader of the dealership. Things changed after COVID, and that $200 to $300 became $2,000 to $3,000 to even more. Well, we're going to revert back to the mean, to what it was. And that's a huge difference. Now, are we going to see that instantly? No, but we're getting there. I mean, for CDJR, first domino to fall. And think about how wild it is, the roller coaster ride that we've been on. Never in you, you you did this for forty years. I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say something. You tell me if I'm right or wrong. Never okay. in your forty years did you have a four three eh, three to four year period of time, Dad, where you went from making two hundred dollars a copy to making four thousand dollars a copy back to making two hundred dollars a copy, all in the span of four years. No, no the volatility never. and the actual. I mean, I hate to say, it, but the carnage for those who made poor buying decisions during the inflated you know price period the carnage is going to be 
massive, man. I mean, the the depreciation we are we already see with the Teslas, obviously, yeah. because Tesla has dropped MSRP significantly. The Rams and the, uh, the Jeeps that people paid over MSRP for when there was a shortage, the Palisades and Tellurides. I mean, the volatility in this market to know that we're headed back to in your in your opinion, we're headed back to where this thing used to be. Not because the automakers wanted to get it there. It's because they, they can't stop their own moving train, man. And obviously, they raise prices so much. That's really, at the end of the day, when we look back at this 20 years from now, the answer to why this happened was because they raised prices too much and people couldn't afford them. So they had to slash the prices to get people to buy them. That's I, really what's going to happen. I can't tell you how many years I was in the business where you would go to the national dealer meetings. And you would hear <clears throat> the big shots from the various manufacturers, and it would be, we are going to do everything in our power to figure out how to increase profitability on the new car side of things. They weren't worried about profitability on pre-owned. That was there. They weren't worried about profitability in parts and service. That was there. They weren't re worried about uh, profitability and finance and insurance. That was there. The one department that wasn't profitable in new car franchises was the new car department. Okay. And, and that's so much of the conversation from the manufacturers to the dealers was we're working on ways to figure out how to get more money under the line so that you can be profitable. We need to figure out how to make this brand profitable again. Well, it wasn't the geniuses at the manufacturers that figured it out. It was COVID that did it for them. Okay. And now with COVID over, interest rates higher than they've been in 20 years, um, MSRPs higher than they've ever been in history, dealers are finding themselves once again in a position where New cars and new car departments will not be profitable, and they're going to depend on finance and insurance, parts and service, and the used car department to make a store profitable. It, it, you know, it's like me using that Spalding 15 ball pack that I paid $15.99 for and sold it at $14.99 because that was a loss leader that brought people into the store. That's what new cars are going to become again. It's it's pretty remarkable how quickly it all changed. I mean, really, it is. It it Mazda at a ninety-eight day supply gang. Let that sit in. We used to be talking about Mazda's it was 25 30, days supply. It was yeah. 30, 30, 40 days just just 60 days ago. Okay, and there's their sales, their sales were down seven point nine percent last month, and they think it's a blip. Okay. Meanwhile, their day supply is up to 98 days. I'm guessing that's not a blip, okay? I'm guessing that's a reality. And the reality How do you think we got a Mazda dealer in the Car Edge Network that the reality is they're sitting there paying, playing, paying floor plan costs every month looking for ways to sell cars, yeah. Yes, you know, and, and that's not to say that that – you know, Mazdas still won't sell well. I believe they will. They they still represent a good vehicle at a good value for money today. Um, what I don't get about Mazda, and and then we got to go to our favorite segment of the show here in a second. What I don't get about Mazda 
there's no margin built into them, Dad. There's absolutely no margin built into them, and it makes no sense. I mean, under the under the line, there is, you know, on the whole yes. deck side. Yeah. But but the, but the price between invoice and MSRP on a Mazda might have a grand, in it, you know, if that. Some of yeah. the you know the CX nineties and everything might have like two thousand dollars. It's got to be then under the line monies. That's like another thousand fifteen hundred to the dealer oh, because they really don't have a ton of margin in them, and they don't. I mean, they have they have uh, aggressive APR incentives right now, but still, yeah, Mazda was like interesting to me when I started to dig in and learn more about how they structure things. It's all under the line money to the dealer. That's how they get paid. They got to sell these things at invoice price. And, uh, they and, didn't used to, but now they do. And and so we can explain to people that are listening or watching under the line money is simply this. <sighs> The invoice price is the invoice price. That's what that's what the dealer pays for the vehicle. That's that's what their floor plan company writes the check to Mazda for, whatever that invoice amount is. Under the line money is everything they get below that number. So if invoice is $30,000 and there's $550 in floor plan assistance, and there's $1,000 in holdback, and there's $400 in, in the marketing assistance. That's all under-the-line money. And then there could be incentive bonuses from Mazda on top of that. But the reason the manufacturers came up with under-the-line money was, um, well, you can blame it on the internet, damn it. And the reason you can blame it on the internet is because suddenly invoices became available to people and people could see what dealers paid. And, and so customers wanted to work a deal from invoice up. I'll give you X amount of money over invoice to buy the car and dealers were selling. Them. Well, the manufacturers, and then the dealers were going to say, we're not making any money. Um, so the manufacturer said, okay, we'll find ways for you to make money below that number so that you'll still be able to make money. That's what caused it. The transparency of being able to see what the invoice amount was is what caused manufacturers to come up with under the line money. Transparency led to new forms of obfuscation so that consumers yeah. wouldn't understand what's going on, the complexity yeah. of the auto industry. In a nutshell there, I pulled up on the screen, just Google search car edge space dealer holdback. We have a great guide we wrote many years ago talking about it. We got to go to our favorite segment, Pops. Do you mind doing an ad lib? Really? You got to be kidding me. All right. So amidst a growing new car inventory and floor plan lines of credit that are costing dealers hundreds, if not uh, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, you still see car deals like these, Dad. Here is a Kia Forte, a 2024, an affordable vehicle, folks. Yes. An affordable vehicle, $21,415, $1,000 off the top. This dealer, Dad, wow. selling a Kia Forte, 2024, brand new for $20,415. Man. Except, dang it, we get all the way down to the total purchase. That's pre-doc fee, by the way. $29,594. You add in all the extras and all the tax and all that fun stuff. You have a $36,000 out the door price on what was a $21,415 MSRP vehicle. Well, can, can I take that GPS tracking system off? Because it says it's optional. Can I take the poly steel off and maybe the red alert? Oh, but the, I guess the 
that desert package, you know, $4,000 desert package. You've talked about on this show, the freaking desert package. And here it is, man. You, you just never know when one of them jumping choyas is going to jump up at your car, but you'll be protected. Okay. Uh, the powder coated rims, because you know, who wouldn't want to spend $3,000 to get powder coated wheels on their $21,000 car? I mean, who wouldn't, who, 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 I, I'm up for that. And then, well, you can't forget that $3,000 extended service contract, but thank goodness that's optional. Oh my God. You know, dealers, Kia dealers, Kia and Hyundai dealers have never been, at least in the industry, have never been thought of in as as being on the cutting edge of anything. Uh, they've always been thought of as, well, being stuck in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. You know, uh, I am sure you would find a hard, you would be hard-pressed to walk into a Kia or Hyundai dealership uh, threatening to buy a car and not being smacked across the head with a four square. Uh, I mean, they are, they, they are just stuck in the old ways of doing things in deceptive practices. It's just, it's what they've been known for. And it's, you know, it's because it was, it was, uh, at the, when they first came out really inexpensive, auto brand that would appeal to people that a didn't have the money to buy a slightly better car and and b didn't have the credit to buy a slightly better car and so all these dealer principals were like you know licking their chops because these these are the kind of people that we can take advantage of and and that's what those dealerships have been known for in the industry and when you show that worksheet you can say, well, for good reason. Um, they haven't adjusted with the times. Most of them have not. Um, most of their, in, in many cases, their dealer principles um, were brought up in a different time um, and, and were able to justify doing all the, all the deceptive things that they do, and they feel okay about it. Um, you know, it would be nice for them to stop. Just stop. Yeah. Especially, especially amidst the market conditions changing, you know, like will Kia be one of the holdouts? Will Toyota, Honda be some of the holdouts? Yeah, obviously, because their day supply of inventory is still the lowest in the industry. But yes. to see something like this where, you know, it's just the add-ons are just ridiculous. And this is a deal that literally came into us today at CarEdge.com. We review thousands of car deals every single month. We help people, hundreds of people every month, buy vehicles, sell their cars, protect their vehicles. So like we see this every day and it's just no one wins. I mean, you know what? morally no one wins you know who yeah. wins the dealership when someone unbeknownst to them ends up signing a contract for this and they don't realize what they just purchased dealership wins right profit profits the biggest you know the best the best yeah. thing ever great good for you not in our world just do something fair here please we're, this is insane and, we're, and and if i may we're not we're not suggesting for a moment that dealers shouldn't make a profit they course, should yeah. They're entitled to it. They're entitled to a return on their investment. What they're not entitled to is the way they go about it in many cases. Okay. $4,000 protection package for a desert protection package. So I'm going to guess. I don't know. I don't work at this, but I'm going to guess that includes window tint for sure because the desert's a hot place. Um, yeah. 
uh, floor mats, all weather mats, you know, because you, you, you know, you're getting one of those boobs and the sand's blowing every, you, you, you don't want to get that sand in your carpet. You just uh, justified floor mats because of boobs. <laughs> That's an incredible connection. <laughs> I was just trying to be as ridiculous as the desert package is. Okay. Probably, probably includes, uh, 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 some clear, uh, cup things for the door handles. <laughs> so the coyotes don't, you know, scratch your car. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or the bears when they try and get in to, to get your Skittles, uh, <laughs> that, that you left, that you left in the center console. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Let, let's call it a show. Let's call it a show. We'll be back tomorrow. Thank you, everyone that tunes into these things. This was this was a, an incredible, really, you got to be kidding me. But we'll be back tomorrow. Please, caredge.com. If you know someone who's in the market to buy a car, tell them to check out what we're up to. We can help them out. Pops, thanks for spending some time and having some fun with me, as always. This was a good one. I really, I can't believe it, but the market's changed and we get to cover it every single day. So we're, yes, on, the, but, we're on the break, breaking news. But I can assure you that there will be any number of people who will say, oh, no, they're wrong. It has not. Not where we are. Not in my driveway. It hasn't changed. Okay. It's localized. It's just not that localized, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yes. Thank you, Handsome. I enjoyed today. Thank you, everybody, for watching. We'll be back here tomorrow at noon Eastern, uh, 9 Pacific. And then all the other time zones got screwed up because, well, you know, daylight saving times. Um, which, by the way, it gets dark here at like 5.15. I mean, come on, man. I'm an old guy. I don't like to drive in the dark. It's like I I've got a limited amount of time to get behind the wheel. <laughs> You're funny, man. All right. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye-bye, <laughs> everybody. Day.